I'm to the stage in, in my creative life, my art, that uh, I can paint with the light. It's, it's, it's I'm letting go of the reality and enjoying what would be in terms of, of painting uh, like an abstract expressionism. I'm enjoying the light, the tone, the line, the fold, the repetition of shape. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, everybody, today we are going to Australia. Today we're talking with Lyndall Gerlach. Lyndall is one of the most interesting interesting photographers in the frames community. You've all seen uh, one of her stories already, the Towering Agapantha from the Summer Garden series. Lyndall is, I want to say, a newcomer to photography, but that is completely untrue. She has an education in graphic design. She's a successful and, and, and much lauded painter, and she was a photographer, but then took a brief vacation from it. 44 years, she says, away from photography before coming back to it and deciding that this wasn't indeed her life's passion. Lyndall, how are you doing? What's, what's going on in Australia this morning? Mm. Welcome to Down Under. It's freezing cold at the moment, so you have to pardon the scarf. It's all totally necessary. <laughs> but welcome, everybody, <laughs> to my, my world. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I was telling her earlier, everyone, that I have the good fortune to have been in Australia before and have been absolutely mesmerized by the country. And I was sort of thinking, I wishing I was there today. It's the middle of summer here in North America. And of course, then it's the middle of winter down there. But Lyndall also has, and I was just telling her this a second ago, a credit that nobody else that I've talked to in the Frames community has. Something on her resume that makes me insanely en envious and, and jealous. Lyndall is an elite archer. She has national records in all three Olympic archery disciplines, you know, as well as indoor archery. So even before we get to the art, even before we get to the photography, Lyndall, how in the world did you become an elite archer? Oh my goodness, this is, this is quite a story. At the time <laughs> I was a, a diamond broker and uh, I'd ordered some window dressings for my house and the gentleman said he'd like to buy some odds and ends for his girlfriend at the time. And I opened a packet of diamonds and they sprung out onto the floor and for the next 20 minutes I found out all about this wonderful fellow who had come in to measure my curtains and he said he was a, an archer and to come down and try it. And always I've wanted to watch all of the old movies on uh, Robin Hood and all the ancient archer stories. So I, I just couldn't resist. I had to go down. And from every weekend after that, I was there. Oh, my. And you just were naturally good at it? No, I was, I was not naturally good at it. I was naturally very awkward. <laughs> the thing is that it's, it's such a, an internal sport you have to look at yourself doing errors. Uh, the worst thing you can do is think you're doing something right and then you practice it so much that it becomes part mm -hmm. of your mistake regime. So I did every mistake in the book and recorrected it and so I knew what to do and when given the, the circumstances. There are apparently three and a half thousand things that you can do wrong before you release that arrow. <laughs> 
Well, you know, like everybody else in the world, you know, I, I played at bow and arrow at summer camp and stuff like that, and and have been you know, completely mesmerized by these people that that do it well. So my hats off to you on that. That that of course is is not the, the main thrust of your life. You you seem to have been involved with art from the very beginning, whether it was ceramics or printmaking. You know, before we get to your images here, and and everybody. There is a website. Of course, there's a website. You got to go to it. It's lindalgarlach.com, L-Y-N-D-A-L-L-G-E-R-L-A-C-H.com. Beautiful site. It's got several galleries to it. It has fine art as well as photography, as well as just about everything else. Uh, And we'll be talking about it in a little bit. So if you have the opportunity, go there now. If you don't, go there later. But Lindal, tell me about your earliest self-perception as an artist. (laughs) Well, uh, something I was told, at the age of two, I had a a wonderful drawing put on the back of the uh, linen closet door. Uh, It was called Man With His Neck Drowning. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, well, I knew better than to put it on a wall. (laughs) Uh It was was somewhere that uh, mum wouldn't actually spank me for. (laughs) But uh, she very, very much encouraged my, my investigation into art and art appreciation and uh, for that, I'm very grateful. Hmm. And how did that lead into design and ceramics and painting? Age 18, uh, here in our system, we basically have to choose a, a path. And art mm-hmm. was always part of me because of my, my need to express myself visually. And uh, I just locked into graphic design for a start, and then uh, after those studies, topped it up with fine art and a, a Bachelor of Education. So creating in any medium is what I do, and I think it's a responsibility for all artists to be able to pick up a brush, a camera, some clay, and make, express. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, this just occurs to me now, because when I was very young and, and I took drum lessons, they didn't make you take piano back then. Um, today, if, if you want to be a drummer, at least in, in our educational system, you have to have a year of piano. Do you think it's useful for photographers to have some exposure, some experience trying to be a painter or a designer or some other art form? Hmm, perhaps if they're inclined that way, the best thing it can do is give you a different language. Uh, a language of expression and uh, appreciation for what you're doing. If you talk about tonal balance or you talk about dynamic lines or um, repeating rhythm, that's what it will give you. Oh, very cool. Um, So a short while ago, somebody lends you a camera. Did the clouds part and God speak? Or how did you you suddenly say, oh, this is what I was was supposed to be doing? Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) It was so exciting. It was really, really exciting getting down into the grass and and taking things uh, out of context, wandering around this amazing old place, uh, taking photographs. And it just clicked. It just clicked. Uh, And along with the skills that I have in Photoshop, it gave me tools that I'd never had before. On, on this second go around, you know, when somebody lends you the camera, do you remember what your very early images were? Do you, do you, do you remember what you were shooting? Mm, the first first one I took was a, a portrait of my shadow, a very, very long shadow in golden grass. And the second one was, uh, we call them pussy willows, which is a small grass with a fuzzy head, which has got, which had a very, very small snail on it. 
These oh days I just keep keep them for good memories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had my earliest ones. I don't even remember what they are, but uh, a lot of people do mark a, a certain photograph or two as saying, you know, th- th- this is the starting point. This is where the world changed. Your work, and, and we're going to get into some of your portfolios here, your work is in, in some instances very documentary. It, it's, you know, photorealism, a lot of, you know, black and white landscapes, this stuff. And a lot of your work is also not. It is abstract. It, it has very rich colors, fluid shapes, ribbons, this kind of stuff. And, and you make a point in your website of saying that, and I'm, I'm going to quote you here, you say that contemporary artists have never been so free to explore the boundaries of fine art or photography. Photography is at last free to be a creative medium, not just a medium that records a moment in time. Philosophically, aesthetically, Talk to me a little bit about what you think the potential of your photography is. Oh, my goodness. Every day I explore a little bit more and I change my view on something. Uh, potential? I would like the world, <laughs> in an ideal world, to realise that photography is an art form. It is a way of seeing if you're a recorder and it's a way of creating if, if you have that part of you that needs to create and express, uh, it's wonderful. The other day I was musing back on all of the fine art in, in the world, like the um, wonderful portraits of Leonardo da Vinci and uh, um, Botticelli, etc. Even then they had the recorders, which are, they had portraits that they were paid to paint, which is very much like recording philosophy in photography. Mm-hmm. And eventually, eventually, they learned that paint itself was really special and the whole of, of art began to let go in its, its later uh, years and we had abstract expressionism. And this is uh, the point that photography is at right now, I think. Uh, this is the future. I won't say painting with light because that's very cliché, but... Um, uh, using our tools um, as a painter would, I, th- I think is is wonderful, and uh, I just hope the galleries get on board and realise how much we all have to give as photographers. Do you think galleries in in Australia or galleries in general are are still pretty invested in photorealism? Mm, yes, no. Tradition takes a long time. Uh, to change, and I think we are in that flux right now. I see around the world uh, beautiful things that are abstract expressionism. We have a few in the frames group which are really exceptional and are making a mark out there. So it's mm-hmm. slow, but it's happening. In, in, in painting, there's no debate you know, about realism versus um, abstract expressionism or anything else as being equally valid. I think photography carries with it and you know the implied you know or the implied nod toward realism mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's perhaps a little bit tougher for people to get away from it which leads me to the the, uh, the story that we talked about right at the very beginning the story that you have on the frames website uh the towering agapanthus story which you you the, the image is there the story is there but tell that story again of how of how that image came to be Oh, uh, I have some friends in Kangaroo Valley. We often go and visit, and part of my my regime is a a little morning walk. And uh, 
their garden is, is quite beautiful and it's uh, quite foggy uh, most years, most times of the year. That's just the climate they have. I was wandering the garden and I came across this amazing <laughs> animal. It's an alien animal. It was an acapanther, purple <laughs> acapanther. And uh-huh. uh, I just saw them as something straight out of a science fiction book. They were just startling. So I uh, got down onto the grass, <laughs> into the garden bed, and shot up at them, which made them uh, look like uh, houses on stalks. Um, I'm sure uh, Asimov would have been proud of me. <laughs> I did get very wet. <laughs> well, now, how tall are these things? In, in if, if you're just, I mean, how tall are they really? Oh, uh, in feet, about four and a half feet. You get some really healthy ones around about five feet. Oh, my. So you're lying on your back in the wet grass shooting up at these things. Yes. Wishing I had uh, the, a towel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, w- what we don't sacrifice for our art, right? But, right. okay, so, so, so you get these images. You're not done yet. That, that's what you had in camera. Tell me how we got to the image. Uh, Photoshop through layers. Uh, mm-hmm. In Photoshop, you could use uh, transparencies uh, and also alter... Uh, the amount of, what of a better word, ink on the page. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I altered those until I got the right balance uh, and I had a focal point uh, which made sense. Yeah, that's basically it. And dropped the whole thing down into one layer and saved it as a JPEG. There we go. But in, in your, beyond the technical stuff, what, what were you going for? Because some, you know, some of these are, they, they look like, you know, 100% summer in the fog, you know, 25, 30%. You've got a real emotional kick to this one. Did you know that when you were laying on your back in the garden? Uh, I felt it was a very strange thing that I had perceived. And I, I really went to make it seem to be a strange thing. Uh, what I try to do in my photography is to take you on a little bit of a journey, something that I've seen that I've try and make you share with me. It's it's Mm -hmm. very hard to do. It's just not a snapshot. Yeah, the the milkiness uh, of the the fog, the slender stalks and the the great burst of the flowers on the top there just gave it a surreal look. And, um, yeah, getting down and trying to show you what I saw and what I felt is what I was at there. Oh, that, that is fantastic. I, I'm amazed sometimes, you know, a lot of people are really dedicated to getting their final image, you know, in camera. You know, they're very proud of saying, you know, I don't do any post-processing, you know, maybe a little sharpening and that's it. And equally as many people say that they really discover the image as they're sitting there removed from the shooting, but, but, but sort of looking at what they shot and saying, okay, how, how do I get to what I was feeling now that, I, now that I'm no longer in that moment. Do you see that as either or in your life or both and? I think I start with the feeling or mm-hmm. an idea or, or a concept and then I go and explore it. Walking down the street sometimes, uh, just, just where we are here, we have fantastic trees with, with bark and sometimes I will be just stopped in my track at some beautiful squiggle or something quite interesting and that's where I will take the camera, if I don't have one on me, I'll take it out and I'll share that with you through the, the camera. But mm-hmm. I'll make sure I'll take lots of shots too from all sorts of different angles because looking at a, a, a small LED screen from a camera is sometimes just not enough. You need to see it big. Mm. 
Yeah, there's, I, every now and then I think you know even for for digital cameras that little screen on the back of the uh, the camera it can be a, a disservice. You know, it, it tells you if you got some of the real basics right. But let's switch over to your website for a second because there is so much to talk about here. And under you know your your first heading up there is contemporary art and and photography, and mm-hmm. you've got one, two, three, four, five. You've got a dozen or more you know galleries right there. And we're, let's just talk about the very first one, something that you call cityness with a hyphen in it, C-I-T-Y hyphen N-E-S-S, and, and, and then a composite series. And, you know, I've been to Sydney. I, I've been to Sydney more than once. I can't tell you where any of these pictures oh. <laughs> are. They, <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> the, the composite nature of this is really fascinating. So... Tell me the idea behind this series, and then if you want, pick one and and tell me the story of its making. Okay. This series was uh, taken over a, all the basic images were taken over three days that I was in uh, Sydney quite recently. And uh, Sydney is my old hometown. So Mm -hmm. uh, in the spare time that I had, I went to all my haunts, my old haunts, and uh, just enjoyed a few of them. This series is about... Uh, my response, my new response to the city. I found that the city was really stressing me out. The <laughs> the lanes on the roads were very small. Everything was uh, highly structured, big windows, big buildings, amazing roadways now, both on the surface of the ground and underneath the city. But um, in most cases, the, the beautiful, beautiful harbour in which Sydney sets, it really mm-hmm. is glorious and it's worthwhile in one's life going to have a look at it. But all in all, I was very pleased to get out of there. <laughs> I, I just found it uh, it had too much um, closeness to it, too much, uh, for want of a better word, negative energy. So this series is about my travels around Sydney. Having, having listened to you say that, I'm looking at, at the series right now, you know, it is composite, it is fragmented, it, it's got, you know, broken lines and, and, and um, rectangles all over the place. But there is that, that feeling of anxiety and a feeling of, of real love in there as well. Because, the, well, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the colors are not, I mean, they're, they're bright, but they're not jarring, they're not harsh. It, it is as if something you love really has come back at you the volume turned up too high, perhaps. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. Is, is, is there one of these that has a particular story behind it? Uh, they all have a bit of a story. Oh, the, the first one, your viewers would see it as the first, and it's a very deep green image mm-hmm. with lots of tans through it. In the evenings uh, around Sydney City Harbour, there are lots and lots of lights. Uh, the housing goes right down to the foreshore and there's uh, the reflections on the water are just incredible and uh, at the right time of day you'll get the color of the water plus all the lights and when I was uh, in this unit overlooking this area I was looking down and I could nearly imagine that there was another city underneath the surface of the water and I tried in this to, to show you the movement of the water and and the structure that I was seeing. Uh, The second one along uh, is a very beige one with uh, diagonal lines to it. They all have the diagonal lines because Sydney is structure. 
and has window panes. And that was my favourite tree that I used to sit uh, under and put my back on and just watch the city skyline. So I went back there and I experienced that tree again and, and I experienced the water uh, in front of the, the city. And uh, so that's my interpretation. Oh, very cool. T tell me about the one that, that appears in, 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 if you've got your gallery, you know, set up as a full screen here, yes. Yes, um, I do. That, that, that appears, appears black and white. It's not, but it's, it's dead center in that one. Uh, it appears black and white. And that's a good clue for me. <laughs> okay. That's uh, a park. The rest of that park I was talking about with the tree in it and it mm -hmm. has flowers and if you have a look in the, into the centre of that image, you'll see a rose beginning to unfold. Oh, I, you know, you know I, I was looking at all that and I had assumed that that was um, concrete or metal. I, I did not sit back far. What a lovely thing in the middle of that. But it's also on that concrete windowed background as well. Yeah. So it's a rose in the city. It, it is a, like a concrete representation. Oh, and just such subtle use of color in there. Have, have you had responses to this series? Have, have um, you know, people come to you and said, you know, this is what it's made me feel? Yeah, yeah. It's lovely when I can have a little bit of feedback and I know that people get it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I love taking them on a journey with me. <laughs> have you had the wonderful experience of someone looking at you and saying, I don't get it at all? Not yet. Not, not that they've said to me anyway. <laughs> but if anyone wants to ask, I'll tell them. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love because, you know, the, the, the composite stuff it is not photorealist, although there are those realistic elements in there. Um, but it, it is an, an emotional statement. And what I love about it is the longer you stare at it, the more it reveals itself. And you can begin to unpack the nuances, not only of your own work, but, um, you know, our response to it. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Switching gears, you know, quite a bit. Let's go to the Sensual Garden series. Uh, another, another one of your portfolios here. These are, well, you, you describe it. Oh, okay. Uh, the plant world, when one stops and really has a look at it, has extraordinary textures and shapes. And they are sensual in, in the most extraordinary ways. They are beautiful and touchable. Some of them are, I don't know, they're just like velvet and I want to pick, pick them up and feel the texture and, and smell them. And uh, I, I, in this particular series, took the colour away, quite on purpose, mm -hmm. so yep. you could see the structure and the texture and hoping that, that the viewer here can feel their way into it. Um, there's hydrangeas there that are like paper crisps and there's a, a, a lovely, on another one, a, a feather just holding on a twig, very, very fragile and very soft. 
though I, I want you to feel into those and experience them. You know, the, the black and white, you know, and, and softness are, are not phrases that are often used together. But really, I think, you know, rendering these in, in black and white has made them very soft, very, you know, very appealing. And, 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 and you know, like you, you want to reach into them somehow. Um, are these studio shots? Only one of them. One of them there is a studio shot and the rest are from nature. Okay, because the whatever kind of leaf that is with all the water beads, I was wondering, okay, that's... Uh, no, it's, a, it's an iris leaf that I took from my own garden uh, after rain and uh, no, really, really uh, compressed it uh, using levels in Photoshop and uh, took out most of or filled in most of the darker areas. And fortunately, you know, I, I shoot for the shadows mostly mm-hmm. and it's, it's come forward beautifully and it's got a, an absolute minimum of, of any photo retouching other than basically squeezing the levels up. So, and the reason I ask, this is all shot then in natural light. So you're positioning, your, you're, you're positioning yourself. I don't know what kind of plant it is, but two to the left of that one on your website, you know, a, a small set of leaves on some plant. Brilliant use of light. The, the, the way those, those two very small ones on top left are so much brighter. Uh, and then you get to the medium ones and the dark ones. That's, that is a happy accident right there. <laughs> Thank you. That's an ornamental grapevine. Okay. Once again, shot for the shadows. It, uh, I do like a, a delicate touch when I'm looking at things like this. And I was particularly impressed by the way it it hung in the air. And uh, that's what I was shooting for there, that lovely suspended feeling. Okay, now switching gears a little bit, you have a portfolio here called My Australian Landscapes. Ah, yes. (laughs) Which is completely unlike anything we've been talking about. You know, this is pretty straightforward landscape photography, Uh, mostly, but not exclusively black and white. Are are you the same person taking this picture as the others or or is this this your evil twin that's come out um, and and, and is is doing? I mean, I mean, these are these are real. These are really wonderful images as well. Oh, thank you. These are also part of me. Uh, I tend to be a bit of a dichotomy. Australia is is huge. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have these incredible skies. Everywhere you go, you've got a horizon. It's something that's I've taken forward with me as as part of me. I have to accept it. Um, maybe it's not a good thing to put up on a website, but it is part of me, and it is a way that I I interact with the landscape. What I feel, it excites me. I could not not do it. <laughs> Well, the, the reason I ask is because one of the things I admire about your work and, and one of the things that I aspire to uh, in my own work is a breadth of subject area and, and a breadth of approaches. Now, that flies in the face of the advice that a lot of people give. Um, mm. These days, I've heard such things like, you know, if you want to be a successful photographer, you need to specialize. And, you know, not only do you need to be a nature photographer, you need to be a polar bear photographer. And, you know, not only a polar bear, you need to be an Alaskan polar bear photographer, you know, yes. they, 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 yeah. you know, you know, to, to be whatever they're defining as successful is, is to narrow your focus. And so when I see somebody 
who's celebrating all ends of it. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is, is that bucking the trend a little bit? Is, do you feel the need to dive deeper into any one of these? Or how, how do you explain the Lyndall Gerlach aesthetic? Oh, my goodness. You have hit on an area that's... Uh, I would call a bugbear. I don't know what you'd call it uh, in America, but it's something that really gets underneath my skin. It irritates me is the way that galleries, et cetera, et cetera, crush an artist's spirit in a way. And, yes, I am bucking the trend, and I'm bucking the trend with my both eyes open. I'm not going to be categorised as um, an abstract expressionist or, or somebody who only deals with things like ribbons and flowers. I mean, there's so much more. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about saleability. And for me, right now, it's about my art, and that's why it's up there. It's, it's part of me, and I'm not going to deny it. Do you, do you see a commonality between your landscapes and, say, your ribbons? There are odds and ends in the landscapes, that, the shapes uh, that, that get into the ribbons, the language is the same, but the subject matter is completely different. Tonality, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking for particular tonalities in, in both areas of, of endeavour. Are they really the same? Mm, perhaps not. Is, is there a connection here um, back to graphic design and into painting. Because one of, the, one of the commonalities I see is, 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 the, is the act of composition, of, of, of where you're going to weight each image and, and the whole use of light and line. If, if you didn't know, for example, that you know, you're looking at a building, it was just you know, different shades of gray, it's very much like the sensual flowers. Hmm. Well, that's, that's something interesting. Thank you for that observation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have so much training in art. I've got eight years, which is a hell of a lot of time, and it has given me a language, and it's nearly given me um, like an automatic way of looking at things in, in a way that's more interesting. I can't explain it in any other way. It's the way I've been trained to think, and I don't have to think very much about it when I pick up a camera and I, or, or a painting and I balance it or whatever. Everything's in my mind at the same time. What's the focus? What's the light? How's the texture? Is there rhythm and there lines in it leading mm -hmm. into it? What's the story? It sort of comes naturally to me now. Uh, you, you just hit my favorite line of, of all time there, though, when you say, what's the story? Be, because, you know, and, and this is just personal taste here, narrative and, and story in, in photography or any, you know, painting or anything else, uh, to me, is, is the most compelling aspect. I'm going to ask you about two images here. Let, let, let's start with the Australian landscapes one. Then we're going to jump to a completely different gallery. But in pretty much the center of that gallery, you have a building. and. You know, it, it, it's it's on a coast is what it looks like. This is a porch of some sort. Uh, oh, it's, it's the Lightkeeper's Home is, is the title of it. So clearly it, it's, it's on the coast there. Tell me the story of, of taking this image. Uh, it's, on, it's on Montague Island, which is an island off the south coast of New South Wales. They have ecotourism there. You can go and stay on the island for a few days and you can have pretty much access to everything except the lighthouse tower itself. And the, the various lights during the times of day 
on these white stark buildings are just extraordinary. This one was set up with great care to get the, the lines leading through. If you look mm-hmm. at uh, the lower right-hand corner and line it up uh, along the walls right to the horizon there, there mm-hmm. is a very, very strong line. And now take from the horizon, and there's a strong dark line out to the left and then the horizon line itself and then the rooftop lines. So this was actually set up to look at the geometry mostly, and and the light, well, I've kept the light low on this one so the whites didn't take over because they are white buildings. Mm -hmm. So this was taken fairly late in the afternoon. Our sunset's in the west here. So you're seeing uh, the house which actually faces out to sea. So that's the story on that one. It's a beautiful... uh, The building in the middle is haunted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Okay. (laughs) Now, let, let, let's jump someplace completely different. Let's go over to your ribbon series. Yeah, Ribbons 10 is, is the one I want to talk about, which is pretty much dead center, at least on my screen. All right. Uh, like most game photographers in this last couple of years, we've been focusing on staying healthy, being away from COVID. And uh, mm-hmm. I started to have a look around the house for interesting things, uh, things that would... Uh, shoot well in natural light. So I went into my my uh, dressing room and found a lovely box of ribbons. Now, uh, these ribbons happen to be funerary ribbons, actually. They came on huge bouquets of flowers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I took them into uh, the living area in the late afternoon sun and shot them uh, in jumbles from all sorts of different angles. This one here is, uh, I think it's about two levels in Photoshop. So we have uh, two layers and then I have toned the layers down until I see certain elements of the image beginning to merge with the other. And then I will save off, in this particular case, save off a JPEG and then work some of the tones through to, to bring that uh, whole thing into this um, spaghetti-like, lovely, warm, creamery mess. For this one, it was, um, for me, a little bit cathartic because it was very, uh, I think I, I, I inverted the image and uh, instead of being the black funerary ribbons, it became white. And so, yeah, it was like a, a giving of life. So I'm, I'm hoping that you will feel this, this milky, watery, f- floating feeling of, of nearly soft resolution in it. I, I do indeed. And, and the reason I have these two images that, that I will put next to each other is because at one level, and, and, and this, this is where I think the genius of your work really comes through, at, at one level they could not be more different. One is angular, one is you know good old-fashioned hard straight lines. This one there isn't. Well, yeah, there there are some straight lines in there. There's there's the lines in the ribbons themselves, but you know this one's all very fluid and curvy, and yet both have a center weighted invitation. You've got that long view through the porch on the first one. You've got a dark center on this one. Both have every element leading somewhere, um, you know, leading to that center or leading to a horizon of some sort. I th- I think you can look at these. Uh, and say there is a shared aesthetic in here, a shared sense of what is pleasing, even though the two images 
are radically different. Which, which leads me to ask, I mean, it, given your training, give, given your history, is, is, is composition mostly intuited or do you, do you consciously pause and compose? I consciously pause and compose. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten the result had I been entirely spontaneous. Sometimes I use stream of consciousness. Uh, with my background, and we were talking about how perhaps photographers might might push themselves into doing a little bit of fine art so they increase their language. If you have a look up there in the top, the first image in that series, which is quite a dark blue, a green colour, depends on how your screen monitor is set up as to how you see that one. This is exactly what we were talking about and, and the intent. Now, is it spontaneous or is it not spontaneous? In this particular case, it was spontaneous. It was something or other, I'd been working very hard at uh, this series, but there's something or other that it actually nearly created itself. I saw it as a, a picture of, of a, a long reed, uh, maybe seaweed, floating in incredibly deep and cold water. And uh, for that reason then, I then took the purpose to it and then accentuated that cool feeling and the feeling of shafts of life, light going through uh, water. So, yeah, mostly it's, mostly it's, it's uh, contemplative, but occasionally it can be more spontaneous. And, and that, that is a very moody, um, wonderful, wonderful image. The, I'm only going to ask about two more, but tell me about the image I see first on your website. Oh, this is very interesting. I did change that yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I changed it to be more reflective of, of me. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's going to look at your website. Oh, she's not in a good mood today. Better not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was working with the ribbon series and uh-huh. uh, I suddenly got the feeling I was dealing with what I would perceived to be the light involved with time travel. I know it sounds bizarre. but um, And then I started to see little parts of machinery uh, that might be involved in time travel and, and the, the linear movement. And uh, for that, I think it was about six or seven layers to get that feel. But uh, that's what I was trying to get, um, a feeling of movement, uh, interest, uh, an invitation to inspect a dark hole in the middle to fall down. <laughs> so why, I can't actually say. I really like the image and it's it's quite, for me right now at this moment, that's quite me. Oh, very cool. You strike me as, as being very intentional. So, so that, you know, I, I can assume that everything in the image is meant, that, that it is intended. Uh, street photography is probably not something uh, that you're going to head out tomorrow morning to do. I tried. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really work for me. <laughs> why, well, that, that's an Why not? I don't know. I think perhaps I'm more introvert. Uh, mm-hmm. Relating to people doing things, I find difficult because it's, it's, that's what they're, they're doing. Why should I intrude? Although photographs that I've seen on frames, uh, some of them have been with people in them so sensitive. I've nearly been, you know, give me a tissue, I've nearly cried. But um, I find I'm to the stage in, in my creative life, my art, that uh, 
I can paint with the light. It's, it's, it's I'm letting go of the reality and enjoying what would be in terms of, of painting uh, like an abstract expressionism. I'm enjoying the light, the tone, the line, the fold, the repetition of shape, and it's my own story. And it is beautiful work. Last thing I want to talk about is sort of twofold, and this is with your gallery called Endangered and Desaturating, and, and uh, which is a series of animal portraits, I mean, straight-up portrait photography, but I want to pair that with the fact that if somebody buys your work, part of the proceeds go to conservation causes. Oh, absolutely. So, so, so t- tell me, tell me about the portraits, but also tell me about the, the, this little bit of, of added benefit going on there. <laughs> I think we all have a responsibility, a responsibility to give back. If we're enjoying this world, we need to take care of it. I can't say enough how much and how important it is for people to contribute to saving these. You know, these is, this is our future. These are our, our legacies we're going to leave our children. Each of the ones in the desaturating and endangered are fairly highly worked, especially the koalas, the koala paws. It's entitled Our Koalas Are Disappearing. And they are. Uh, unfortunately, our land here, like everywhere else in the world, is being sold to developers. And we have... Uh, governments that insist on growth for the health of the economy. And the more we grow, the less ability these creatures will have to have a normal life. Uh, I like the one there that uh, the desaturating giraffes. uh, That was a shot that was taken uh, at a particular zoo up in Queensland, up in our north, where they have quite a large herd. And these were two young I don't know what you call them, calves, calves sitting down in this beautiful way. So what I've done is because even now the giraffe is is, uh, endangered, was started to fade the colour out uh, from the bottom up, from the place where they sit on this earth. So it turned from a black and white to a colour, and uh, that's about the desaturation. Uh, Most of the photographs in that have that that, uh, technique where the colour has become black and white. Yes. Yeah. And, and with the rhinoceros or the, uh, I don't know if that's a parrot or a parakeet or, or what the, uh, the bird is with the green plumage on its head. Your images are all very evocative and, and they're all, as, as you said, you know, invitations. And there, there is some movement, whether it's with light or, or with the subjects in every single one of them. It is, uh, I think, remarkable work. And, and I encourage everybody, again, go to the website, look at this stuff. And if you, you do buy one, you're contributing to two good causes. Lyndall, thank you very much. This, this has been enlightening and wonderful. My pleasure indeed. Uh, good luck to you and Frames. Frames is a <laughs> remarkable, remarkable achievement. Well, all, all, the, all the credit goes to Tomas. But thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.